evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we talk about the Cleveland Indians for at least the next couple of weeks and the Cincinnati Reds. And to do that, we've got to bring in our Reds expert, Blake Watson. Blake, how are you tonight? I'm doing better than the Reds are, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let's get into that. First of all, it is hard to believe that there is only two and a half weeks left to go in the Major League Baseball season. It's absolutely crazy. It feels like it was just yesterday that it started. Um, that's baseball, man. It's, it's, it's a, it's a year long marathon that turns into a two week sprint at the end of the year. It's just, it's just why I love it and hate it all at the same time. Cause you play 162 and, but the, if, if you're even, you know, like the Reds, you're just decent. Um, the last 15 are the only ones that matter right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it seems, Blake, like it takes forever for a team to get to, you know, the July 4th or even the All-Star break. But boy, after those two dates, the season just flies by. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's the trade deadline. Um, it feels like every, it takes forever to get to the trade deadline. And then after the trade deadline, it's like 12 minutes and the baseball season's over. But that's because, you know, the end of the season, there's so much more, uh, you know, sports to consume with college football starting. You and I both working those games, um, plus watching, you know, the college football teams that we care about at the beat one level. NFL obviously started yesterday. Once, once football teams start getting into camp, man, there's just so much to consume. The baseball, regardless of the fact that it's the best time of the year for baseball, it, it still takes a backseat to a lot of that stuff. Well, the the Reds right now are tied with the Padres for the last spot in the playoffs. They are tied for that final wild card spot, which would uh, right now be the honor of taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I guess the the bright spot for the Reds right now, Blake, is the fact that they don't have to face the St. Louis Cardinals again this year. Well. Unless they end up tied and go to one game playoff. Um, which, you know, that, that series with the Cardinals is big. The, the Reds, man, they just picked, they picked a really bad time to stop hitting. They have, I haven't heard much about it, but they gotta get Jesse Winker back. They need his bat in the lineup so bad. Um, Max Schrock has been pretty good, but they gotta have another thumper in that lineup. Somebody that, that can help them. You know, it feels like the only way they score runs right now is hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Um, and that's very similar to the offense last year. And that's just not been the case for this team all year. Um, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, you got a guy that's going to win a batting title. You know, you got a couple of guys that could finish top five in the MVP voting, theoretically. Votto has cooled off a ton. Um, but Castellanos is a legit top five MVP guy. He should be anyway, even though he missed that time. Um, likely going to win the batting title, and you're struggling offensively. Um, the bullpen's finally been pretty good of late, actually, since I was reading somewhere outside of that one blow-up by Brad Brock where he gave up the home run to Jason Hayward, who Brad Brock's terrible. Um, the, the bullpen's been pretty good the last two weeks of the season. They just stopped hitting, man. And they picked a bad time to do it, but the good thing is, is you know, the Padres aren't playing any better because they're playing such a tough schedule. So it, 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 it's kind of—I still think the ball's in the Reds' court just based on schedule alone. I mean, you've got 
uh, on a 6-4 with the Pirates, sandwiched around this three-game series with the Dodgers this week. If they can find a way to get one off the Dodgers and go 5-1 and one against the Pirates or so, I think they're going to kind of take back over that spot. I still think they're going to be one of the wild-card teams. Like you said, whoop-de-doo, all that does is get you a one-game playoff with friggin' Max Scherzer and the Dodgers. Well, you talked about Winker, and, you know, he went down on August 15th with that intercoastal injury, then suffered a setback around the 1st of September with that, and he's really been down, well, I guess you could honestly say it's been a month now. Yeah, he's missed, he's missed a lot more time than we thought, because when he first went down, um, David Bell said he didn't think, he, like, the 10 days, and then he was back. And that setback, man, it's, it's uh, not good. It's just... There's no positive news that's come out of Winker um, in a while. You just don't hear anything about it. So nobody really knows if and when he's going to come back. Um, even then, what is he going to do when he gets back? Obviously, it's, it's really hard to go on rehab assignments now. Minor league baseball is winding down. Um, so he's going to have to get swings at the big league level to get back up to speed and I don't know, man. They need him back, but they need him back and productive. What they really need is the guys that are there currently to start hitting. They need Votto to hit again. Um, they need somebody at third base to hit a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. Delano DeShields Jr. came up hit for a little while, but he, he's not the answer. Um, it's just where's that extra offense going to come from? I think it has to come from Votto. And third base is what I think. Well, I mean, it seems like Bell has kind of settled in on Mustakas at third. Yeah, I mean, Suarez will still play against tough lefties. Um, but I think Mustakas just gives you a better at bat. I think neither one of the guys has, has had, obviously, an outstanding year. Mustakas missed a ton of time. Suarez, average-wise, has been historically bad. Um it's in, you know, Moustakis, I think, right now, is a little better option defensively, which is kind of crazy to say. A couple years ago, Suarez had turned himself into a pretty good defensive third baseman. Um, and now, this year, he's been pretty bad with the move to short and then moved back to third. I don't know, man. I, I just don't see either of those guys. It'd be really nice if one of those guys got really hot. It would help. Um, and force David Bell's hand into playing just one of them. Even if it's Suarez, I'm fine with that. You find the other positions. Um, but, I mean, it's crazy to, it's now to think about it. The Reds have the likely NL Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. You have the likely NL batting title, batting champ in, in Pantheano. And he's going to finish high in the MVP voting. And, you know, now the offense is the problem. It's just, it, it's crazy to think about. Blake, one more item about the Reds before we move over to the Indians. Again, two weeks ago, I mean, you, you and I have talked about this now for over almost two months, and that is moving Robert Stevenson or Stevenson out into uh, left field. I saw about a month ago they had him fielding grounders and taking fly balls out in left field, but in this case where they've got two and a half weeks, Blake, they need every hit that they can get. I think it makes a smart move until Winker gets back to stick him out in left field and let him play. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that sentiment, but in reality, I think Max Schrock played pretty well. Um, now, I would definitely do it against lefties, 
but they, but he catches against lefties and gets Trevor Barnhart out of the lineup. So I, I, I agree with finding a way to get Tyler Stevenson more at bats, um, and I think left field's a good spot to do it. But, you know, left field, with, with, since Max Strzok's come up, has not been the, the biggest problem they have. Um, so, you know, it'd be really nice for Tyler Stevenson to play third base or shortstop, <laughs> but he can't. Um, that's where they really need offensive production is those two spots. Um, I think he should catch more, to be honest with you. I think mean, Tucker is so good defensively. He's had a really solid year offensively. But Tyler Stevenson is just a better offensive player at this point in his career than Tucker Barnhart is. Um, and, and he should be playing more often. Tucker is way better defensively. I don't think Tyler Stevenson's bad by any stretch of the imagination. But Tucker Barnhart is, you know, he's a perennial gold glove candidate, whether he's a gold glove or not. He's always one of those guys that has a chance to win a gold glove every year. Um, and and it, it's different, but... Right now, with the offense struggling, I would play Tyler Stevenson more behind the plate than I am than, than Bell is, and I would when he's not playing there. I'd find ways to get him in the lineup. You play a tough lefty, put him at first base. Give Otto the night off, um, and, and let's roll with it. But again, you play a tough lefty, you take Votto out of the lineup. Would you rather have Votto hit left-handed against the lefty? Or Tucker Barnhart didn't left-handed against lefty. I, I think the answer is probably Votto. Um, cause, you know, regardless, they're both going to struggle. Votto's got a better chance to run into one and do some kind of damage than Tucker Barnhart does. But then you add in the Tucker, you're going to you're going to hurt your defense. So you leave Tucker out there and put Tyler Stevenson at first and be a little better defensively. It's it's, it's a weird juggling act that you got to do as a baseball manager. But no doubt about it, Tyler Stevenson needs more of that. Well, I know Milwaukee's got some good pitching, Blake, but, I mean, to no-hit a major league team over 14 and two-thirds innings is quite an accomplishment, and that is what the Brewers did against the Cleveland Indians this weekend. They had a combined no-hitter on Saturday and then went the first four and two-thirds innings uh, in the nightcap or the the, uh, the third game of the three-game series on Sunday. Blake, I never thought in my years of watching baseball I would ever see a team get no-hit three times in one season. And on top of that, the strange thing about this is, and I'm not sure if you've heard this stat, Zach Plezak was the starting pitcher in all three games. I heard that they were talking about it during the Red game that night. Um, as Corbin Burns was, was dealing that, that border, that no hitter that ended up sharing with John Hader. Um, they, they mentioned that Plezak was on the mound for, for Wade Miley's and then the other no hitter is the Indians this year. That's kind of crazy. Um, they made the joke that, you know, you always hear about, you know, lack of run support for a pitcher, but Plezak, Plezak getting lack of hit support this year. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those baseball oddities that, you know, it happens every year. There's a couple of things that have, in the 100 or 200 or whatever year history of, base, of professional baseball, something that happens every year has never happened before, which is kind of cool about baseball. Um, not cool for Zach Lezak, but it just it, it underlines those issues that we've talked about about the Indians all year. They're just not very good offensively. They don't have enough, you know, legitimate big league hitters in that lineup. You don't expect to get no hit three times. But I would assume that's probably the most a single a team has ever been no hit in a year. Um, and the fact 
there's been nine no hitters thrown in baseball, and three of them have come against <laughs> one team. It's kind of crazy. One third of the no hitters that have been pitched this year have come against the Indians, and it's a record number of no hitters. It's kind of crazy. I just, you know, and again, I go back to, you know, I I didn't expect that this year, although I did expect the type of season, you know, I I picked the Indians to finish third in the division. They're probably going to finish second. They're still 12 games behind the White Sox, but they're two and a half games up on the Tigers. I did not expect the disaster that has happened in Minnesota this season. But it still always puzzles me, Blake, about the Indians and the way they... They, they seem very, very good at developing pitchers at the minor league level. But they cannot develop hitters at the minor league level. And when they do seem to have a hitter, they don't seem to be able to continue that development at the major league level. The thing that I am so upset about right now is why are they playing Jimenez at second base? He's not the future of this team at second base. So why have we been playing him for the second half of the season at that position? If he's going to be a second baseman for the rest of his career, Blake, we're going to have a career 212 hitter at second base for the next, I'm going to say five or six years. They've got, they've got one guy in Owen Miller that has started to hit the ball. He's a second baseman. Play the guy at second base and quit giving him a complex that he can't hit right-handed pitchers. And start just start letting him play every single day, but they haven't been doing that. You've got Yu Chang who has started to hit the baseball. They've got to find a position for him. And Bobby Bradley came back from his injury, and he's starting to drive home runs. Bobby Bradley, to me, is proving that he is a clutch hitter. You bring him up with nobody on, nobody out, or two outs, he's a career 200 hitter. You bring him up with two outs and a runner at third or a runner at second, and he's a career 300 hitter. He's one of those guys that has proven he can drive in runs. But this team, I don't know what the situation is, Blake, but they just seem consistent on trying to make that Francisco Lindor trade look better than it actually was. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's got to be a mix between looking towards the future and, and trying to find out what you actually have in guys that you've spent assets um, acquiring, right? So they've got to give Jimenez enough time to prove one way or the other. Now, you and I both probably agree that he's proven that he just can't have big league pitching. Um, and, and, on a, and if they were in a, in a lineup that was stacked from top to bottom and he's hitting eighth and playing outstanding defense, then you can live with it. Um, but you're not in a lineup where that's okay. Um, as far as Owen Miller goes, if they don't believe the kid can hit right-handed pitching, which I don't watch enough of the Indians to say one way or the other, then he can't play in the big leagues. Um, if you're a right-handed hitter that flat-out cannot hit right-handed pitching, there's so much more right-handed pitching in baseball than you can't play, right? Like, that's just... That's just the reality of the situation, right? He's got to be able to hit righties and then murder lefties. And lefties got to be able to hit righties and then maybe not play against lefties. Um, so if they think he can't play, then he's not a big league player. I mean, that's just the way that has to go. Hopefully they're wrong, and I think you believe they're wrong, um, that he should be able to figure out a way to hit right-handed pitching. But they've got to figure out who the future is at that position. If it's Miller, then they need to put him out there and, and leave him alone. If it's Jimenez, then you know, then which it kind of seems like they think it is the way they're playing it, 
um, then you, you, you gotta suck it up and deal with what he is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is either way. Again, I don't watch enough of the Indians to really know, but that just seems like they, they have to, and we keep coming back to this, and I know I say it all the time, it just seems like another rudderless decision by the Cleveland um, front office and coaching staff. Make a decision on who it is and roll with it, and, and, and just that's the guy. Blake, um, the, the guy that I have extolled the virtues of all year long, he's a guy that I really like, is Ernie Clement. To me, he reminds me of a Whit Merrifield in Kansas City, which I think is very high praise. But the kid looks like he knows what he's doing. He's spending time in Columbus now because they want to play Jimenez at second base. Now, let me compare the two. Out of the two, Jimenez has played in 56 games. Clement has played in 36. There's a difference of 35 at-bats. 35 at-bats. Okay? And Jimenez has got 35 more at-bats. Clement has got three fewer hits in those 35 at bats. He's got on the when you look at his stats, he's hitting 227. Clement is, and you've got Jimenez, who is hitting right now at 193 with those 35 more at bats. Clement two home runs. Jimenez two home runs. Clement has got two less RBIs, nine and seven, but still Clement was bothered or was hitting at the bottom of the order, and Jimenez, they've got him hitting seventh or eighth, so he's getting more opportunities to have some RBI possibilities. And Clement has proven he is a far better defensive player than Jimenez is by far. So I don't understand what the Indians are doing here. Uh, by taking advantage of, uh, of this situation with Jimenez. But Clement is obviously, to me, it's either Clement or Miller are the, the future of the Indians at second base. That's just the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, and, and Jimenez, you know, he's been kind of lauded as a bit of a glove guy, right? Um, Supposedly. But from what I've seen, Blake, stuff, that's fine. yeah, I mean, what I've seen of him, Blake, I don't see it. I don't see him being a glove man. Yeah, and that's that's kind of his thing. And, you know, you're hitting 193 and very little power, right? Like, it's yeah. at least you talk about Suarez with his 170. At least he's got 20 home runs. Um, so at least you're getting some sort of production from the position. Um, you know, 193 with no power is a guy that just can't play. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. On a team that if, if the Indians were playing for a playoff berth right now, Jimenez cannot be on the field all the time. There's just no way. Um, you can't have a guy that's that much of a zero offensively in, on a competitive baseball team. Yeah, and, and I agree with you right now that that, that is where we're at. The, I mean, the biggest news that the Indians have going for them right now, Savali's back, but he got blistered over the weekend against Milwaukee, 11-1. to he's, he's had two, two outings since he came back. One was good, one was bad. Okay, he's getting used to, to pitching with an injured injured middle finger. Shane Bieber has spent the last week in Akron working out. They think he's going to pitch in a game um, for the Rubber Ducks coming up here in the next week or so. They'd like to get him in to pitch one game at the major league level before the season is over. We'll see if that happens, but Bieber has been saying that he feels good, he's ready to go, but the Indians are being cautious, as they should be, with the ace of their staff. Final thing is... 
Terry Francona came through the hip surgery well, had his toe operated on last week. He seems fine, and he says he's going to be ready to go for next year. So that's good news for the Indians. Josh Naylor, his injury seems to be, I mean, the broken leg, that seems to be coming along fine. There's still some question marks as to whether he'll be able to come back for the season next year for the Guardians, but he'll be back sometime next year. The question is just when and will he be, you know, available at the beginning of training camp, which will be towards the end of February, which, my gosh, Blake, when you look at that, that's still five months away. That's not that far away. I mean, we're, yeah, we're at the end of this season. I'm already talking about the Indians training camp next year. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's, it, it, it goes fast. You think about five months away, it feels like it's right around the corner, but then it also feels really far away. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, they've got to start identifying guys that are going to be a part of that team going forward. They just have to. And if that's, if they, you know, whoever they think those guys are, that's who should be playing. I, I still, I would not rush Bieber into a game. I would, I wouldn't have rushed, um, Savali. Savali into a game. I would have, you know, if he got blistered. Who's to say he's not going to get blistered the next four times out to finish the year and and have, go into this all season with really bad, um, you know, some really bad vibes about what he's going to have the next year. It's it's I don't know, man. I probably wouldn't have done it um, for either of those dudes for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting off season for the Indians. It always is uh, to see what they're doing, to see what they're thinking. As far as the Reds are concerned, Castellanos the other day I heard on an interview, he may have tipped his hand in kind of uh, mentioning in a roundabout way that he was going to go ahead and exercise his option to see what other teams were available to offer him in the offseason. Yeah, I don't think anybody that pays attention to the Reds in the year that Nick Castellanos is having and the contract that he has is would be stupid if they didn't think that was coming. Um He's put together the most complete season of his major league career. He's been a very good hitter throughout his career. This is the most complete season he's ever had. Um, he is, you know, again, we talked, I've said it a couple times already, but he is the front runner for the ML batting, ML, or NL batting title. Um, he is, you know, one of the guys that could be argued for as a National League MVP. Um, mostly because the best teams in the National League just don't have that one guy that has had a monster year. I actually think, you know, a guy that doesn't get talked about enough is probably Max Muncy from the Dodgers. But, um, yeah, I mean, Nick Castellanos is crazy if he doesn't opt out this year because you just never know what the future holds. He's got two more years technically on this contract if he doesn't opt out at this point. And who's to say that in two years he's going to be playing at the level that he's playing right now. Um, I just, I would leave him alone, man. Or, or I would, if I'm the Reds, I find a way to obviously bring him back. Um, he is the most important offensive player they have. I would argue that Jonathan India is second. But, um, yeah, I, you got to find a way to get him back. And if not, the Reds are back to the drawing board and finding, finding another dude in the outfield market that can really hit. Um, and yeah. also trying to find a way to get rid of one of those third base contracts. Well, let's look at it. I mean, there's one, there's one 
name that pops up out there that the Reds could go after, Starling Marte. Yeah, and I like I like Starling Marte because Starling Marte can also play center field. Yes, uh, and you don't know what you're going to get from you know you don't we don't at this point we got to assume Nick Senzel is never going to be what we think he's going to be, uh, what we thought he was going to be um, until he proves otherwise uh, and stays you know healthy for more than twelve minutes. Um, but if if you bring in a center fielder, it's got to be another guy too. You got to find you got to find another corner guy because. I guess you could be okay with you go to next year with your corners being Winker and Naquin and you sign Marte to play center field. I guess you're okay with that. Obviously, you need some right-handed help there. I don't think Aristides Aquino is the answer. Um, obviously, Akiyama's left-handed. Senzel, you never know what you're going to get. So you've got to find somebody else who can get right-handed out there, too. And there's lots of guys that are good enough to, to play on a good baseball team that, you know, won't even cost as much as Castellanos. Um, but I would love to have Nick back. Yeah, I I don't blame you a bit there. I mean, when you look at this, Blake, the Reds are off tonight. So are the Indians. The Reds are off tonight. They've got 18 games left in the regular season. Right now, statistically, they are tied with the Padres. The Reds are 75 and 69. The Padres are 74 and 68. So they're they're pretty much tied in the standings. What is it going to take for the Reds? What kind of a record will it take for them to win that final wild card spot? So how many games do they have left? Eighteen. I would say eighteen. I mean, twelve and six, thirteen and five would be perfect, especially given their their. Their schedule, I think those are both doable. Um, and then you also go in to the off season or to the playoffs with some uh, with some uh, with some momentum. You don't go in playing bad baseball. So right. I think they did not just win that spot, but they need to shore up and start swinging the bats better. But I think you know, twelve and six probably gets you in. I don't see a world. Um, where San Diego goes, you know, six, eight games over 500 the rest of the way just because of their schedule. Um, the one that scares me, and their schedule is tougher than the Reds, was is the Cardinals um, being a game behind. The Cardinals still scare the crap out of me. The Phillies have a really easy schedule the rest of the way, too. Um, so I, I don't know. I think if you if you find a way to go six games over five hundred over the final eighteen, I think they've got a good shot. Yeah, I mean, let, let's take a look at the Padres' schedule uh, heading into this week. Now tonight they start a four game set with at San Francisco. So you can figure probably with San Francisco being in a pennant race with the Dodgers, they would lose. And I'm just figuring off the top of my head at least three of those games. They might win two, might get lucky, might win a couple of games. Then they're at St. Louis this weekend, which is going to be a big series for the Cardinals, not only. Um, then they've got a doubleheader coming up next week with the Braves. That's going to be a makeup doubleheader. But they've also got the Giants coming back, the Braves, and then the Padres finish up with the Dodgers. So they have got a really tough schedule. Off the top of my head, you look at this, Blake. Figure they go one and three against the Giants. Uh, maybe win one one game at St. Louis. So there's there's two and there's two and six. Then they've got the Giants at home. Fin- figure they finish 
two out of three there. There's four and nine. The Braves. Yeah, there's a game series of the Dodgers in there as well. Yeah, that, that's got, at the very end. They've got three more against the Dodgers, three more against the Braves. Um, that Dodgers series, though, is all, it's all going to depend on whether or not it means anything to the Dodgers. And ten with the Giants. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Ten teams with the Giants remaining. Yep. Um, if the Reds got 18, they've got 20 then left, counting that doubleheader with the Braves. So they, their schedule is way tougher than the Reds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy. They've got yeah. They finish up with the Giants on October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd again in San Francisco. So those two series, really, Blake, the last two of the year for the Padres, the Dodgers and the Giants. I mean, whoever whoever wins the division, the National League West. The second place finisher is going to be the wild card team, no matter what. So if those two those two teams are solidified at the end of the season, going into that last week, they're not going to play anybody against the Padres. They don't care, right? But I don't th- I don't think that's going to be determined who wins that division until the very last week, the last couple games of the season. Um, I think you know you might see a little bit of gamesmanship between those two and trying to get their rotations in the right spot. I think that's the place you'll see the most difference is if they don't start, you know, if the Dodgers decide not to start Scherzer towards the end of the year so he's ready for that possible one-game playoff, or the same thing with the Giants. But, you know, the Giants, who do they do that with? Because all of their starters are pretty similar. Um, they're all solid, no no real, you know, shutdown, lockdown guy. Um, but, you know, the Dodgers could do that with any one of Kershaw, Bueller, or Scherzer. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I see a spot where – I could see a spot where they start pulling their punches a little bit and punting on a, on a couple of games. But that also sets up, you know, whoever doesn't win that division, would they rather play the Padres yeah. in a one-game series or the Reds? And that's – if they'd rather play the Reds, then they're going to play as hard as they can to, to beat the Padres. Um so it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Um, I don't see, I don't see it being easily cut and dry one way or the other until the very last two days of the season. Okay, question for you: If the Padres and the Yankees both finish out of the playoffs, which manager gets fired first? Padres. You don't think Aaron Boone? No. I think they like Aaron Boone enough in New York to give him at least another run at it. Um, <clears throat> I think I think the Padres have spent so much money, invested so much into this year, and I know most of most of what they did will carry over for a couple of years um, as far as the guys they've added. Yeah, but I, I just I don't see a world where if they miss the playoffs, he keeps his job. I'm I'm kind of surprised at the the uh, downward spiral that the Yankees have gone into over the last two weeks. It's all about pitching, man. You just their pitching's just not as good as they expected it to be. Outside of Garrett Cole, it's just not that good. Um, offensively, they're you know they're they're not hitting great right now, but they're still a really capable team. But a team that's built around you know hitting the ball out of the ballpark in their bullpen. Is falling short in starting pitching like you'd have expected them to. So if you don't invest there, then you know what do you expect to happen when the, when the season gets to this point? The guys just aren't aren't good enough. Their starting staff just isn't good enough. 
Blake, couple items on Major League Baseball away from the Reds and the Indians, but uh, were you able to see the home run that Giancarlo Stanton hit last night and the altercation between him and Francisco Lindor while he was rounding second? Yep. And Francisco Lindor continues to prove why I'm happy he's not a red. Um, <laughs> that's just being a baby, man. Yeah, you he, know. He, he can celebrate and Javi Baez can celebrate, but Giancarlo Stanton takes a little too long rounding second base and you start mouthing off. That's just, that's just kid stuff to me and he's acting like a child. This stuff to, to me, and I saw Francisco Lindor over the first seven years of his career, okay? He never did this stuff until Javi Baez showed up. And and to me, I know Javi Baez is a great talent. I know Javi Baez is a free agent. I know Javi Baez is going to command the world for his salary. To me, I want no part of Javi Baez being on a team that I'm a part of. Completely agree. I, I would not sign that dude to be a part of my baseball team. Right. He, he, I, he reminds me of... Of uh, I always bring it to an NBA guy, Russell Westbrook, and the fact that he's just not a winning player. Um, the guy that can stuff the stat sheets, that can do amazing things that other people can't do, but just doesn't have that mentality of a winner. Um, and if you're going to command the kind of money that he thinks he's going to command, which I don't think he's going to get, um, because he hasn't been for two or three years, he's just been okay. Um, you, you got you got to be a little more than just a player, you know, on the stat sheet. You got to win. You got to do the little things. Um, you know, if you're going to pay a guy the kind of money you want by, the pay, you want him to be a leader. Um, and he's definitely not the kind of dude I'd want leading my ball club. No, uh, I I, I totally remember agree. when he did that stuff against the Reds a while back. Then right before the trade deadline, <clears throat> there was some stuff on Twitter about the Reds. Had inquired about, you know, trying to get Javi Baez from the Cubs. And he pulled his bull stuff and they don't want him now. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. Like somebody said, you know, they'd take one potential suitor off the, out of the Javi Baez sweat, sweepstakes and that's the Cincinnati Reds. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign that dude for any amount of money. I, he could play for the league minimum and I don't want him on my team. Well, I mean, okay, I just, just kind of off the top of my head. Toronto, I'm, I'm looking at the American League. Toronto doesn't need him. Um, the Yankees, they might go after him. They, they might. Um, but the Red Sox, they don't need him. Um, Baltimore's not going to go after him. I mean, there you've got teams there. Nobody in the American League Central will go after this guy because they don't have the money to do it. And out West, they're not going to go after him. I mean, if Houston doesn't get their own guy in Correa... They're not going to go after Javi, Javi Baez. There, there's no doubt there. I mean, they've got. I'd the, say their second choice would probably be Trevor Story. I would agree. Yeah, or Seager. I could see there's two landing sites that I see outside of the Mets. I think he could theoretically stay with the Mets because they'll they'll pay anybody, but they don't need a shortstop, obviously. Um, I could see New York Yankees or the Angels. Well, I'll tell you what, the Angels, if, if they go after him. What are they going to do when when uh, Showtime has is it comes up for a contract renewal? I no doubt. I mean, um, you got Trout, Baez now. Now Showtime, Anthony Rendon, yeah, yeah, Anthony Rendon. Good point. You know, 
I mean, Seattle's not going to go after this guy, Texas. I don't see anybody. The Dodgers aren't going to go after him. The Giants won't do it. They've got their guy in Crawford. I, I don't see Yeah, I mean, the, he's definitely not better than either of the options the Dodgers have in Seager or Trey Turner. Right. Which I looked at. I look for them to try to move probably one of those guys in the offseason. Um, for some, for some depth, maybe pitching depth or rebuild their, their farm system. But, um, yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I don't see anybody that's going to be beaten down his door like he thinks they're going to. I mean, if Correa hits the open market, Trevor Story's on the open market and Javi Baez, Javi Baez is a distant third for me. Uh, you know, I see the Yankees trying to get Correa. And the reason I see them trying to get Correa is it not only strengthens their team, but it weakens the Astros. Completely agree. In the American League. I mean, that that's who I see. Final question. The Hall of Fame inducted the new members in the past week. Blake, I saw people that were upset that Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. I don't get it. They're idiots. Um, I mean, statistically, just purely statistically speaking, Derek Jeter is a borderline great player. Very, very, very good. But what Derek Jeter did, very similar to, to my boy Brady, um, he's just a winner, man. He's just, he's, he's the anti-hobby bias. Um, yeah. He does the little things. He's the leader. He's the captain. He's the guy. He gets the big hit in the big situation. Um, he, he's just—he's always in the right place. He's always saying the right thing. He doesn't alien. He never alienated teammates. He always included everybody in everything he did. Like he's just the consummate winning player. And being the captain of the Yankees, the shortstop, he actually reminds you of a little better version of his idol and Barry Harkin. Yeah. Very similar players, never spectacular anywhere, very good hitters, very good defenders, good enough pop, good, like, just really, really, really good baseball players. I, I can't get, I can't get, out, I can't get out of the show, Blake, without having a John Sadak moment. And, and that was last week he brought up the comment about Joey Votto being a possible member of the Hall of Fame. And he called it, this was on the day that they, they enshrined everybody. He called it the greatest, now I've got to remember exactly how he put it, the greatest fraternity of any athletic sports hall. And I immediately got on Twitter, Blake, and I did this. I tweeted him and said, that will never be the greatest fraternity until Pete Rose is in. Yeah, I mean, never. To the me, Rose's admission notwithstanding, I completely agree with him. Um, the baseball Hall of Fame is just more special than the other ones, especially to me, especially. Um, just the history that's there, and I, I agree with you completely. Pete should be in, um, but I, mean, I, I can understand yet again. I can understand what his sentiment was, whether I like what he said or not. I understand his sentiment. And Marty Brenneman was enshrined into the Reds Hall of Fame two weeks ago, which was very, very disturbing. Good move, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the Reds, man, the Reds are just a class organization. They really are. They do things the right way. They recognize people the right way. The statues, all the stuff around the stadium, the Hall of Fame's amazing. The Reds definitely do things the right way as an organization, as far as remembering their history. 
which is easy when you got some of the best history in the, in the sport, right? Like, but it's, it's, yeah. The it, fact that they can't recognize Pete or that Pete couldn't be a part of that set ceremony because he wasn't allowed on the field when they were playing the, the, cele- the celebrity softball game, like that's, that's a travesty. Well, haven't they loosened up on that a lot now? I thought they, they did it for a few things when they like a few years ago when they did the big red machine stuff. Yeah. But from what I understand, they asked for him to be allowed to come to this, and they were told no. Oh, uh, you know that. Yeah, major league base. Let bygones be bygones. It's over. It's done with. He's not a part of baseball anymore. Give him a shot. Did you hear Al Michaels on the Thursday night game between Tampa Bay and Dallas make the comment? about Marty Brenneman, how he, he warmed the seat for him for three years, and the guy who replaced him stayed there for 44. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. That's hilarious. Yeah, made that comment. I think it was like the second quarter. And Collinsworth, you know, of course, Collinsworth has been around here for, for years. Uh, he kind of let him let him into it. Um, but That's it was, what's funny. And, and people crush Chris Collinsworth, and I don't think he's great. But I'll tell you what, his son that does those games for the pregame stuff, the Jack Collinsworth, he played at Notre Dame, Northern Kentucky guy, I think he went to Highlands High School, is so bad. <laughs> He's dates. He's so bad. Nepotism. He, every time he comes on the TV, I turn it off. Nepotism in sports announcing is there, isn't it? I mean, you've got Joe Buck and Jack Buck, and I think the same thing. About Joe Buck. See, I actually think Joe Buck's pretty good. I don't think he's his dad, but I think he's pretty good. And I actually, before, you know, his, 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 uh, anti, um, homosexual comments notwithstanding, I thought Tom was okay. I think he was a better guy at all of the sports than just being a pure baseball guy. Um, you know, I think he was fine calling football and basketball and all those different things, but he was never a pure baseball guy to me like his dad was. Yeah. But I thought he was fine. Um, and Joe Buck, well, I think he's fine. I just don't think he's as good as people make him out to be. I, I, I know, okay, uh, I'm a lot older than, I'm a lot older than you are. But I remember Marty Brenneman calling the Kentucky Duke game. When when Christian Leitner hit the shot, do you remember that game? Were you old enough? God to... no! Oh my gosh, I, he did it on radio. He was doing it on radio. That's where that's where he did it. Um, and yeah, Marty Brenneman was a very very good basketball announcer too. I I don't think he ever did football. I think he might have done Kentucky one or two years. I don't know for sure, Blake, but I never heard him do it. But I know he did basketball. For um, the NCAA tournament, did it a lot. That's crazy. The Reds haven't had a good TV guy since George Grant. So, yeah, and George Grant does it every once in a while, but basically he's he's pretty much in retirement, isn't he? Yeah, he's he got to the point where the traveling and all that stuff was too much for him. I guess now with no traveling for the TV guys, wouldn't be as big of a deal. But I I loved George Grant. Yeah. I loved him. He actually made Chris Welsh sound like he knew what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> I think Chris Welsh is awful too. Um, well, seems like seems like a great dude. I just don't think he's very good at it. Yeah, and, and the thing about here here's another one though too. I mean, when you look at all this, Bob Euchre's no longer going. I mean, he's doing the radio broadcast, so he can go on the road. He's no longer going on the road. Uh, and I found that out by listening to the Indians broadcast the other day because they were talking about how they were so looking forward to Euchre showing up in Cleveland 
um, you know, after doing Major League, he loves coming to Cleveland. And uh, they told him, no, they, he doesn't travel on the road anymore. So when the Brewers came to Cleveland, they, they missed out on Euchre. That's, that's, that's sad. You see all these guys starting to go. And, you know, you go to Vin Scully and all of those dudes. Um, there's just not that next crop of really good baseball guys like there was. These guys have seen so much history. I actually do really like Tommy Thrall on the Reds radio. I think he's uh, really good. He is good. Yeah. Yeah, I think Tommy Thrall does a really good job. Um and to to follow the legend of Marty, he's he's as about as good as I could have figured to pick. Because as good as Marty was, by the end of his career, Marty was not a great broadcaster. Marty was just kind of Marty. Um he was still fine, but he was just he didn't care as much about what he was broadcasting. He was just part of the show. Right. Um But I think when the Reds had Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy on the radio, I think he's pretty good. I, I do too. The, this, this, this one's a funny one. We'll leave it, leave it on this note. And I want to make sure I get this right. Bob Euchre was on the Tonight Show one time. And do you know for a, do you know that Bob Euchre was the most, he, he had the most visits to the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson of anybody? I did see that somewhere. Yeah. His, one of his stories was when the Milwaukee Braves came talking to him, about signing him to a contract, they were talking about a $4,000 bonus. And he said, my dad was a construction worker, drank beer after the after work every day, and he said it was tough for him to come up with that money, but they finally did. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic euchre. Classic, yes, classic euchre. Anyway, so the Reds off tonight, and then what do they have this week coming up, Blake? Uh, three with the Pirates, and then I think three with the Dodgers. Yeah, the we week. got the Dodgers this weekend. I'm looking it up right now. Indians, on the other hand, they're in Minnesota for a three-game set starting tomorrow. Actually, they're playing tomorrow afternoon in Minnesota. That That's kind of a strange situation. Well, actually, it's a doubleheader. I apologize. I'm looking at it. It's a doubleheader tomorrow, and that's a makeup from earlier this year. And then Wednesday, they've got a single game. Reds are playing Thursday, but the Indians are off on Thursday, and then the Indians will be going to New York to take on the Yankees, and the Yankees can try to get back into the pennant race playing the Indians this weekend. That's going to do it for us. Talk to you again next week, Blake. Yes, sir. All right. That's going to do it for us here this evening. Join us again next Monday night at 7 here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.